Welcome to Life is a Metaphor mini podcast where we explore the many metaphors that life has to offer. So I came across this book that was called Why Normal Isn't Healthy. And I love that phrase and I want to play with that. I have tons to say on that. Um, But before I do, I want to at least give a head nod to the guy that wrote it because I think we would like each other. He um, does work in a similar vein. Uh, That's why I stumbled across it. He does work with playfulness and he came at it from a totally different angle and life path. He was working with terminally ill patients in the hospital and um you know, started using playfulness as a way to help them in the recovery process. But we do also really, you know, it's funny how playfulness that's supposedly light and, you know, not heavy and deep um, does lead you to that same place because he also emphasizes this concept of a fourth pole. Like there's North Pole, South Pole, and then like Mount Everest, I guess, is the third pole. But he's saying the fourth pole is like the deepest place on Earth. Um, and the deepest place on Earth is actually inside of us and inside of each person individually. Um, and so he talks a bunch about the deepest part of yourself and getting comfortable and interested in the deepest place inside of you. Um, and isn't it funny how playfulness work gets you there, <laughs> you know, and that that's kind of another thing that we have in common, um, playfulness and games and all that, but also the depth stuff, you know, that fourth pole, as he calls it. So let's bring it back to the title, uh, normal is not healthy or why normal isn't healthy, because that's what got me started and excited and brought about all the thoughts. Um, And it wasn't because I think that nothing normal is ever healthy. I mean, there's definitely some reasons, very good reasons, why the process of normalization exists. I mean, we live in groups and tribes and society, and we've got to set out some expectations and set up some things as normal and some things as not just for the safety of the group, so to speak, or to keep things running smoothly. I mean, it isn't normal to walk out in the street and start killing people, and that is absolutely a very healthy thing. So I definitely um, am not denying that normal can ever be healthy. It can, absolutely. But his title has a lot of power in it and really gets you thinking because there's truth in it. And so then, you know, I immediately say... Um, Yeah, where? Where is the truth in that? When is normal not healthy? How many different ways and how many different places and how do we let this happen? And do we ask ourselves the question um, enough uh, about when it's not healthy or do we just accept normal and never ask um, because it's so normalized and because others are doing it too? And so that's what I think the value in his title is really. Um, And actually, here's where the metaphor kind of comes in to me. In science, there's definitely this theme or this principle of, you know, the more variability or variation there is in a system, the healthier that system is. And so you want to always have the most variation possible because then you will have the healthiest Um, the most health possible, you know, the healthiest system possible. And, you know, that's definitely true for like ecology and things, but also there's some physics elements that kind of 
run by a similar rule. Um, so, you know, I, I like this because it's, again, that as above, so below, or this metaphor that can kind of hold true on lots of different levels of existence, lots of different levels of life and in normalcy as well, in this concept of normal, I think that normal has become too unvaried. There's too little variation. And when that is happening, that's when normal is not healthy. Um, and especially because, you know, we're living and evolving human beings and we are a culture that is evolving and everything too. And um, we grow and learn and expand every day and therefore our normal should be expanding. And, and it does, it does expand. Um, but when that rule of normal is not, or when that title of normal is not healthy is actually ringing true, that's generally when the variability has not expanded. The variation within normal has not expanded to the level that we're actually capable of or to the level that's actually called for, you know, and so then things have gotten stagnant or unhealthy. So, you know, that's the metaphor I wanted to play with a little. And, um, you know, already there's some ways, like I said, that we are expanding and getting more variability in what we consider uh, normal. One of the things that occurs to me, you know, I've read some articles recently on things like the life cycles um, that we live by, you know, sleeping and waking cycles or work cycles when we work, how long we work. I've read a bunch of things about people questioning what's normal sleeping patterns and that people have a lot more variability in that than we think. Um, and it's not just, you know, go to sleep with the sun, wake up with the sun, um, or, uh, you know, everybody gets up and is ready to work at 9 a.m. You know, in fact, some of the stuff I've been reading lately about work cycles is that people in general should be doing school and work and, uh, you know, the majority of their productivity shouldn't even start until 10 a.m. Um, so, you know, as we see, even our sleeping and waking cycles in the normalized sense may not be healthy. They may not be healthy for an individual or for society at large. You know, it may span for lots of people and be a really, you know, um, including lots. Or it may just be you asking these questions about what's healthy for you individually, too, um, and not just going with whatever the norm is, the normal, uh, you know, which is where that word comes from. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then food. I mean, food is another one that's like definitely uh, talked about a lot. The standard American diet, the normal American diet is not actually that healthy and all the food that is most readily available for us and all the different um, quick and easy access ways is not necessarily healthy at all. So that normalized behavior uh, or that normalized concept of what is food or a diet isn't healthy. Um, and we're seeing that and we're challenging that and hopefully there'll be some more options. Uh, there's already some, but ooh, not enough for me yet. Um, so those types of things and 
Um, man, I would even like to put in some that I don't think anybody is questioning um, yet. Maybe, maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe some alarms have been made to be nice and easy and smooth now on people's phones. But like the way that we wake up, you know, alarms, that's kind of normalized. But I feel like that's probably unhealthy to just like wake up in a state of shock. Um, you know, so things like that and um, things like uh, the idea of productivity, you know, our idea of productivity or how much productivity is needed in a day, that's kind of a normalized concept or something that, you know, you have a normal amount or an expectation set and asking yourself whether that is healthy could be a really good thing. You know, um, it could be a really good thing to sort of um, check in and make sure that that's healthy for you or that that's even healthy for humans to take on the amount that they do um, and they're, they're not just overextending themselves in the name of productivity or in the name of you know success, which is another normalized concept. Um, what is success and you know what does that mean normally? Is it monetary? Is it this or that? you know just checking in with all of your norms, you know, stress and the amount of stress that we do every day. Um, that's normal life, right? It's due to normal life that you have these things. Um, and is that healthy? Um, and in which ways? And, you know, I've read actually things going both ways, like stress is actually good for you. Stress is not. All right, cool. And what elements in it create um, whether it's healthy or not, you know, and, and have you checked in with all of those? Are you just accepting these things in your life because they're normal and then, you know, you're not actually asking whether they can be done a different way or whether they're healthy or where the root cause is. Um, you know, another thing, I mean, as we're sitting here talking about this and the way that we, um, you know, look at productivity or um, success, this idea of independence, um, there is a certain way that we kind of think we have to do things ourselves or be independent to a certain level that is also normalized. It's like pretty subtle, um, but I see it because, for example, if I said, um, you know, I'm going to buy a house with like two other families, that wouldn't be normal. I read an article about some people in D.C. that are doing this. Um, and it's definitely not the normal way of behaving, but it is very interesting, especially when I was reading their story, to kind of ask yourself, well, is that super ultra independence thing um, that is the norm actually healthy for me? Or would it be a lot easier financially or practically to have these other invested families in the house, you know? And it doesn't mean that you have to give away your privacy. You could totally have different sections of the house that, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's easy enough to do, um, especially with like other responsible adults. Um, but anyway, you know, so these are the types of things that I do love and that I do see us questioning normal. Uh, and and that's great because in a lot of these places, normal has gotten stale and unvaried and therefore very um, unhealthy for us um, as individuals, as a society. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that comes to my mind is uh, the same thing. It would be very not normal to ask um, 
people for help a lot. You know, again, it's not very normal to just say like, I need help, I need help constantly, uh, which is again, that independence-minded thing, like too much independence, or at least taking things on your back only, taking too much responsibility, thinking that you've got to carry it all, um, you know, and just that kind of thing that can, you know, or else you're not an adult or you're not worth a damn if you can't handle all this by yourself. Um, that's a normalized thing that's probably not healthy. And it, and yeah, it would be, it's not normal to ask for a lot of help as an adult. Um, but that's probably not healthy and it's not normal, let's say, uh, to ask two other families to help you raise your kid because of that same, maybe individual mindset or concepts of success or concepts of what it is to be an adult, but it's like just not normal to do yet. It might be healthier to take that, you know, it takes a village approach. It would definitely be easier to have some other people invested in your kid and to have some other people reaching out and helping you with that kind of thing. Um, which brings us to another place where normalization is really rampant and that's in parenting and families, like how we view family, where we prioritize family. Um, there's normalization there, like what's normal to do with your family, what's normal to do with your kid. Um, and I feel like uh, I've hit a lot of those in my life as a parent because I did a lot of things in a non-normal way and I got a lot of looks and a lot of people that were just like bewildered. I mean, they they were just like, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, I had to make a lot of ex explanations for myself and um, I'll go ahead and give an example of that right here and now with a boatload of explanation actually. Um, and that's diapers, okay? So normalization is like definitely very strong in parenting and it only takes diapers for me to illustrate that to you because it's definitely normal to put your kid in diapers. I mean, most people, if I were to say like diapers is merely just a normalization, they would look at me like, what are you talking about? It's practical. It's functional. And what are you going to let you do, your kid do? Just poop everywhere and, you know, walk around? Like, no, I'm not. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But um, it turned out for me that when my five-month-old little boy had to poop, I could tell when he was about to poop. I could see it on his face. I could tell in his attitude. And I didn't want to clean doo-doo off of a butt all smashed up and horrible. Like I wanted to make my life easier. So I would just take him over to the potty and like hang him over it or sit him down on it if he was like already sitting up, you know? And it wasn't like he used the potty uh, on his own. Uh, and I was sitting there saying that he walked to it or anything. It wasn't anything like that. But it was like... You know, I never had to deal with potty training ever with him because he started associating poop in the potty at a super, super early age. He never had any memory of doing anything other than that. And so I never dealt with it. I never had to deal with poop in a diaper or anything. I just saw when he was about to go and I took him over. It seemed pretty rational to me, but I've had to do like so much explaining about that. And I'm sitting here doing that explaining right now because I think most people, you know, need that explanation when I say that diapers are normal and they're not necessarily healthy um, because they would just be like, what? What do you mean? It's so normalized. They don't even know what I mean. Um, I mean, I, you know, it was definitely more healthy for us. Um, and, but I kind of think, I venture to guess that it would be more healthy for other people too. It'd probably be more healthy for the kids um, 
to, you know, have that association of pooping in the potty at such an early age that they never had to be untrained from doing anything else. I mean, we never went through a potty training exercise at age two or three where we're kind of like untraining them from pooping in their diaper and in their pants the way that they, you know, had been doing for the previous two or three years. Um, So anyway, it was healthier for us. Um, And apparently it's a thing, you know, and people have like a theory or a philosophy. It's like elimination communication. And that's cool. It wasn't exactly, you know, the reason I was doing it. I was actually just doing it because it occurred to me that it was going to work, (laughs) that I could avoid some unpleasant uh, cleaning of doo-doo. So I went that route. Um, But yeah, so that just goes to show, uh, you know, parenting has the norms all up in them too. I mean, all up in it uh, as well. And there's a lot of places it shows up. Um, And I feel like we should just keep asking ourselves where else as much as we can. I was kind of doing that exercise and thinking like, okay, where else? Like our furniture, the way that we lay out our furniture, the textiles that we use, those are norms, but are they healthy? You know, and sometimes it might be like too much of a stretch. Maybe it's just practicality and functionality. Um, But other times, you know, you find little hidden things. I mean, there's also plenty going on, plenty of questioning going on about the ergonomic design of the places that we sit you know the chairs and such or even like the design of toilets and like are those actually healthy for elimination or you know the chairs or the couches are they healthy for the spine um I love it I love the questioning of the normal and expanding it expanding it more and getting it more healthy um closer to healthy at all times um so then You know, we've kind of sat here and talked about all these exterior ways that uh, normal could potentially not be healthy. But I think what the guy in the book was really pointing to is this interior way. And that, I think, is a really important thing to touch on, too, because I think it works with the metaphor as well. I think he was talking about this deep need that we all have for being included, being a part of, for a sense of belonging you know, and to be accepted, you know, the oneness, the group, all of that. And that's what normal is kind of based around. And then sometimes because we're going for those things that are really important things like belonging and acceptance, we make normal our goal. We make it so that the directive or the guiding force in our very lives or being is to be normal or to be able to belong, you know, because we're thinking that normal, if we do things according to what is normal, it will win us that belonging and acceptance by default. And um, that's when it becomes severely unhealthy. That is where the true deepest root of normal is not healthy can happen because Yeah, to do that, to kind of limit you and that unique inner voice that you have with such a tight, strict limitation of what's included in normal is a tragedy. It'll squash you. I mean, the you and that inner voice would have to be so muted to be able to hit normal, especially because the goal isn't being you or expression or participating. It's not even really belonging anymore. I mean, it's indirectly what you're trying to go for, but it becomes 
normal. The goal becomes being normal or something or hitting the norm or something like that. And again, that just totally destroys and mutes you and your actual being, any chance you've got to be and experience and express and like take in and all of that, you know, and that's, that's when it is super unhealthy, super unhealthy for the self, super unhealthy for the world too, because we've just like been denied, you know, a very valid part. We've been denied the opportunity to truly um, have you belong because you're not even really here. It's just normal that's here, (laughs) you know, this normal thing that you've sort of put forward um, and squeezed yourself into, uh, limited yourself by without maybe even knowing it. So anyway, I think this is where that metaphor comes in again, putting more variation in normal. It liberates you, right, too, because now You've got more options, more variation in what is normal. So you don't get limited as much as you are trying to belong. But let's even take the word normal out of it. I mean, if, well, you know, if we add more variation to normal, then we've just added more variation, period. We've added more variation to belonging. You know, if someone can belong with us, as different as they are, you know, they can be as weird as they need to be, as different as they need to be, as unique as they need to be, and they can still belong with us. We can still accept them. They are still a part of, and we see them as a part of because we can allow for more, you know, we allow lots of flex in what normal can be. And, um, you know, then then we've got the healthiest system possible. You know, we have a system where the individual can be as healthy as they can possibly be because they still get all that belonging and all that acceptance and they still get to have as much variation as they can, you know, and um, as much uniqueness as they need. Um, And that there's a lot of flex in there. And then the the system of the relationship is healthiest too because both parties are mutually, um, you know, able to have as much variation as possible and they are still a part of a group together, you know? So the group now has a maximum level of variation and this happens not just within friendships, but on the society level too. Society can allow for a lot of variation, a lot of diversity, yet still have a sense of acceptance, belonging, includedness, um, cohesiveness, and a part of of, you know, it still can feel like a cohesive society. Um, So yeah, I just love that, you know, it all comes down to variability and um, or variation, you know, it all comes down to letting things have a high amount of variation, letting things vary, expanding and flexing so that lots can be included um, of all different ranges and types and that we would just kind of do that as we grow, expand it some more, expand it some more. I can certainly say that um, without even really knowing it or without even really talking about it in words, this has been a huge, um, just pivotal point or pivotal factor in my life because 
honestly, I mean, as if you don't know this already, but like not a, a not a lot of what is normal has ever really worked out as healthy for me. Um, and so I've always deviated without even trying, you know, uh, so I, I always find myself outside of normal. And finding people almost out of necessity, right? Because I had to find people that were willing to let me belong and who were willing to see me and accept me for however I was as not normal as that was. Uh, you know, it was a necessity. I had to um, find the people that had the broadest range of what they were willing to allow to belong. And because of that wonderful necessity, I almost found the key to the best life possible or the best people possible, you know, because I've met people, these people with this broadest range of what they're willing to allow to belong. They are the healthiest people. They're the best, you know, they're the best ones. They're um, the ones that, well, I don't know what other word to use besides healthiest, but, you know, you can be your truest self and still feel the belonging. And, you know, it's kind of just like the flow zone or something like the target range, like the place of optimal everything. I don't know. Just I, I guess I'm using the word flow because people think that that's like, you know, that magic state that you get into when you can be your best self. And it's like, yeah, the magic place, you know, they are that. Um, they create that. That's the atmosphere that can be created like this, uh, that flow zone. So that is just what I wanted to play with when it came to normal is not healthy. I laugh at it. I laugh at it because I find it so true. I laugh at it because it's relieving to hear somebody else say it. Um, but I also laugh in inspiration that people are starting to ask those questions and that we can start to talk about uh, expanding normal, expanding it to something else that's healthier. That sounds like a great idea to me. Thank you so much for listening. I've always loved playing with ideas, but usually they just aren't at all what others come up with. So that has made me feel weird for most of my life. Uh, but now I'm determined to take what makes me weird and to try to make it useful. So come and check out all the other podcasts and things that we've got going on at weirdisuseful.com.